The following podcast is a proud member of the Blue Collar Roots Network. Find all the shows by visiting bluecollarroots.com. Here's the president and primary owner of True Tech Tools, licensed engineer, and the nicest BS artist you will ever meet, Bill Spone. Welcome back to another episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Many of the people I meet in this industry have interesting stories, their struggles and challenges in all of their lives in our lives. And what if a real police state was limiting your options in life? How would you direct your will, your desire, your drive to achieve? I met our guest today, Jeremy Garcia, during the HR Expo in Orlando in January of 2020. And actually, this was around the same time of the inaugural HVACR symposium by the HVACR school. We actually stayed in the same house together. As I learned more about Jenry, I found his story truly inspirational. He's thoughtful, honest, and an avid self-learner. He's also a successful business owner and a devoted family man. Well, it now makes total sense based on his approach to customers and really a lot of activities in life. I didn't learn until lately that Jenry has done degree work in psychology. So let's listen in for Jenry's perspectives and his career path. Inspiring contractor story, Jenry Garcia. Jenry, good morning. Good morning, Bill. Jenry, we met, I think, at the AHR Expo in Orlando in January 2020, around the time of the HVAC, the first HVAC school symposium. Had you ever been to a show before that, like a HR? Not a trade show. Nothing like that, I should say. I have been to a few things where they wine you and dine you so you can buy their products and things like that, that type of deal, but not- Some manufacturer-sponsored things. Right. Not like that. But let's give the listeners some background on you. Where did you grow up and how did you get into HVAC? I was born and raised in Cuba in Havana. Nothing HVAC related there, (laughs) that period. (laughs) Lots of heat? Lots of heat. The H, right? Right. Lots of the H. Plenty of the V too, because all the windows were always open. (laughs) Anyway, so we moved on and fortunately I was able to come to United States in 2003, jumped on HVAC almost right away, thanks to my father, whom I own my whole career to, and went to trade school, got hired at a company, stuttered like everybody else. It's a helper, changing filters, cleaning train lines, vocational coil cleans, and then eventually I became a tech. I got to be a service manager and all those good things, and eventually left and started my own business. That sounds really easy and simple, but it's a lot more complicated than that. <laughs> that was some hardship and some... Do you feel comfortable talking about that? Sure. What do you want to... About what exactly? Just maybe what was life like in Cuba? I don't get to talk to people from Cuba very often, and I'd like to know. Gotcha. I'm going to keep it very broad so we don't turn this into a political thing. But essentially, Cuba's a police state. It's been run by a communist regime for the last 60 years. The country, it's completely in chaos. There's no food. There's no water. There's the lack of all these things. There's a lot of repression against people that stand up and fight back. It's been a lot of failed attempts to stand up on behalf of the people. And essentially, I think that my hunger and what I've been able to accomplish today, however little that is, whatever little that is, it is because I literally went to bed hungry many, many times. And that gives you a physical hunger. And on top of the fact that it gives you this drive 
to succeed, to never let that happen to you again or your loved ones. And that gave me the drive that I have today to just push forward and push through no matter what. So when you came to the U.S., did you have a good control of the language? No, I didn't speak in English. No, but you do now. You're pretty eloquent, actually. I write it and read it much, much better than I can speak English. I promise you that. But <laughs> <laughs> I do okay. In Miami, you could get away with not speaking any English at all. Oh, yeah. It's a loaded subject in it on itself. But it's my the most basic form to respect this country, its culture, its language, its flag, its everything. So I know that my family will never be hungry the way I was because of the opportunities I've had and I've been offered in this great nation. So the opportunities have led you to own your own business. Is it just you? Do you have any helpers? Yes. I currently have an install crew and I have a service deck aside from myself. And I handle all of the home performance stuff. And I've been able to eventually delegate install work and basic HVAC work like coil cleans and service calls for capacitors, motors, drain lines, things like that. I'm fortunate not having to worry about that anymore. So I just focus on the design side and the home performance part right now. And what's the name of your company so the listeners hear that? Comfort Dynamics in Miami. Why did you choose that name? Comfort Dynamics. It was my second name of choice. Uh, It was initially going to be G-Tech, but the name was taken. Thank God. Because that sounds like it could be oil additive. It could be an energy drink, anything. <laughs> it could be anything. And thinking back now, it's a little egotistic, a little, I don't know. It would have been comfort dynamics. It's what comfort is. It's comfort is dynamic. It's not a function of a single factor. It's, it can be building enclosure. It could be the conditioning of this enclosure. It could be the occupants of this enclosure, which ultimately their perception is what drives your approach to every single problem. You could easily have a, a building with a house with 75 degrees, 45% humidity, and someone might have a complaint about something. Mm-hmm. So in, like that, it's dynamic. It's a moving target, always. Technically dynamic, as well as with the individual, the occupants, that a dynamic approach. Yes, yes. And then that is, if you take your time, so we as techs are, or normally are, just too focused on the boxes, on what's my subcooling, what's my superheat, things like that. Hear the people out. Like, what do they got to say? They got more trouble shooting information than that box can give you in most cases. So if you take the time and hear them out and take some notes, and even in some cases, it is definitely worth the time. It can save you a lot of time. It can give you a perspective and it can save you a lot of work. So I know something which I want the the listeners to learn about is you have some coursework, you have some degree work in psychology. That's very interesting. Yes. I'm a handful of credits short of an associate degree in psychology. Do you see that overlaying with the work you do and your approach? I think subconsciously, yes. I mean, it's inevitable. Anything you learn throughout your upbringing, throughout life, conditions you to, or teaches you rather, to approach situations in general, any situation. If you haven't had a good upbringing, then you're not going to be a socially stable adult, most likely. If you've had a happy childhood and you've been brought up in an environment where you've been taught to respect others as well as respect yourself, then you'll do much, much better 
than to let things get in the way of your own success. So yes, I have to say it's invariable that the studies of a field like so broad, like psychology, have made a big impact on what I am and what I did today. Do you still absorb information from that? Do you have any learning streams, things that you... It's just random articles that I look up from time to time. I have battled with clinical depression for a good chunk of my adulthood. So I mainly went into psychology for the same reason that you read the operation manual on a unit, because you want to know what's going on. Holy cow. So I was reading the manual long before I got into HVAC. <laughs> so I wanted to understand what was going on in my own mind, what causes depression, what helps it, how to go about it, how broad is it, which is insanely broad. And quite honestly, I know this podcast is not about this, but depression is one of those taboo subjects that people don't talk about, but a lot of people suffer from. Yeah. It's sometimes uncomfortable to talk about. and It is. For the individual as well, the person holding the conversation. We've met personally, and I consider you someone that I have the utmost respect for, a person that I have the most respect for, and I trust you. And a lot of people that I don't know or maybe will never meet will hear this, so who knows how that's going to go. But I respect you enough to share this with you. And I think if people talked about it more and they opened up about it more, there'll be more ways to handle these things and to live a better life. Thank you for sharing that. So you have some background, some education, some continuing self-learning, self-teaching there. How about on the technology side? Where does your background, your learning come from? You'd mentioned you worked in different roles through the years. Was it all learning off of others? What other resources did you use? How did you approach this? It's a great question. So at the beginning, it's just you go to trade school, you go out, get out of trade school with all these grades and things, and you think you're going to solve every HVAC issue that comes your way. And then you soon find out that you don't know what you're doing, as it was the case with me. So I learned a lot from others. And the way I approach learning in general, it's I hammer something down until it becomes almost second nature. And then I question all of it. And when you question everything you think you know, you're going to find out a lot of things that should be doing differently. And that's how my approach is. So what do we do as HVAC techs? Normally... So one thing I hear a lot, I've heard a lot over the years, well, nobody has ever taught me that. I've never worked with anybody that knows that and and nobody knows that in my company and the owner of my company won't pay for this and won't pay for that and all these excuses. And if you're listening to this and you're making excuses yourself, don't get me wrong. It's just, I have a point, I promise. HVAC, it's kind of like playing the piano or learning a language or just doing something that is not mainstream. Like you don't turn 50 and say, well, I never played the piano because nobody in my life, in my family, household or whatever, played the piano or because I never seen a piano or because I didn't have a TV or I didn't have a radio. People learn to play piano because they are naturally driven to music mainly, but I don't play the piano myself. So I don't, this is kind of an off (laughs) analogy I'm using. But what I'm trying to say is that people learn to play piano because they feel a drive to it. They feel a magnetic field that drives and that gets them closer to it. And as such, they seek piano lessons and they practice. Eventually, they might buy a piano. And all of a sudden, now you play the piano. So if you are in the HVAC industry and you only know what you've been taught or what the people around you have been able to teach you, God bless them for that. Thank you. But it's not anybody's fault you don't know what you don't know. It's not anybody's fault you don't know duct design or low calculations, 
or equipment selection or dehumidification. It's not anybody's fault that you don't understand those things. It's your own fault. And it, that's the way I approached. If I wanted to make a living on this, I needed to push forward. And I obviously have this passion for the industry as a whole that it is second to none, only second to the love of my family, but second to nothing else. I thoroughly enjoy what I do. And I thoroughly love learning and challenging my own beliefs and those of others, if it comes down to that. Yeah. You mentioned you read off a couple of things here, duct design, load calculation, dehumidification, pressure testing. They're very important. They should be done in almost in many situations, but often don't get addressed. What's your approach? I know something. Like I'm looking over your shoulder, right over your left shoulder, and I see a blower door. Okay. So the blower door frame is sitting there. I have a bit of a mess in my office, yeah. No, 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 that's okay. I'm not going to talk about everything else, just as a blower door. It's, it's framing you. <laughs> right, you right, you right. should be like in the center of the frame, like a picture frame. Load calculations, duct design. You must consider these important. You talked about them sort of first up. Why are they so important? How can you expect the unit, a compressor, not to fail if no consideration was given into what size unit you should have? How can you expect a space, a house, an envelope in general to be comfortable if no considerations for airflow or airflow distribution were taken beforehand. If you just throw, start replacing box for box, you're going to keep running into the same issue over and over and over and over. I like to think of it like HVAC work isn't appliance installation. No. I mean, even sometimes they're called appliances, but they're not. You're building a system. When I was working for the company that I worked for for many years, being service manager and all these things, I started seeing enough units that they had nothing wrong with it, absolutely nothing wrong with it, and the house wasn't comfortable, and it wouldn't come down to temperature. So what's going on here? And that's how my curiosity and how I began to questioning anything and everything I had been taught in HVAC begun and started dissecting and just started using the house as a system approach to HVAC diagnosis to anything. For example, you mentioned the blower door. The first blower door I ever saw in front of me is the one I bought. Before that, I had only seen it on, on videos on YouTube, and I had only read about it. It's not like anybody let me borrow their blower door, mainly because nobody around here had it, or nobody that I knew anyways. So I figured I did enough research, and I was curious enough to realize this is something I'm going to need in my life. And sure, it's a big investment because it's not cheap, but things like that, my blower door, duct tester accurate power flow hood in my case, those things have changed my approach. The use of those tools, what now you can see, you can literally see what's going on, what's wrong with the house. You're putting the house under an MRI machine. You're literally dissecting what's going on in this envelope that people are not comfortable with. In my climate zone, which is climate zone 1A, our thing is dehumidification. Where does the latent load comes from? And an envelope comes from people, a little bit from plants, there's another little bit that comes from cooking, bathing, things like that. But you can control those things. You can account for those things. How do you know how much of that load is coming from outside? You don't. You don't know. How do you know if when you run your AC, you're making your house so negative and that you're sucking twice as much as outside air than you thought you were going to have to deal with in the first place? You could have done a blower door in a house and come up with say 200 CFM of infiltration load that you were going to have to handle, right? But now let's say you have a leaky supply side duct and now this duct is running. I was just talking to Zach 
from HVAC shop talk about this. And now the supply duct is running through an unconditioned space. So what's going to happen is it's going to depressurize the envelope. So whereas before you thought you were going to have to handle 200 CFM of infiltration load, now it's a heck of a lot more than 200 CFM because when you run the HVAC, you're actually having more load on the latent side that you thought you were going to have because the house is being pulled negative. Let's say you have a return side duct leakage. Now it's even worse. The house is positive, but it's positive because you're pulling air from the attic. You're putting 75 dew point air from the attic and just dumping it into your living space. And you're sweating. You bet you're sweating. So it sounds like these tools you use really help you solve problems. How many problems have you walked away from that you just you couldn't wrap your head around, couldn't get a solution for the customer? Boy, there's no way to make this sound right. <laughs> I love the way you pre-answer questions. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I did that. I'm not sure I've ever had. Okay. So with, and I'm not trying to put you up on a pedestal here, but I'm trying to point out for the listeners with the right approach, stick to it in tools. Okay. So you use tools for measurement, for diagnosis, but you also use calculation tools. Talk about some of those tools you use, like the load calcs, duct design, quick model, that kind of thing. Quick model. Thanks for mentioning quick model. First, tell listeners what it is in your words. So low calculations, it, they're done through the ACA Manual J standard. Duct design is done through the ACA Manual D standard. And equipment selection is done through ACA Manual S standard. So those books are, they can be, for the most part, insanely long mathematical equations. And there's a lot of tables and a lot of procedures and things like that that are not simple. Let me ask you a pause right there for a second. Those manuals are actually an intermediate step from the ASHRAE handbook. Is that right? Gets even more intense, yeah. So I have the 2017 version of the Asher Fundamentals Handbook. And every time I open it, I can only go some 15, 20 minutes with it and then I have to close it. It's kind of like snorkeling. You can't go dive too deep. I can't keep up with <laughs> it. I really can't keep up. There are insanely good pieces of information yeah. there, but they're burying to all this really, really deep breakdowns of how these things work and operate that it's really hard to pull them out. And I'm not trying to minimize that. It's That's the information on the mountain. It's been brought down to a level, but then you have to operate with it. So keep going with your conversation about quick model. Exactly. So when naturally you have to use software for this, my web, there's a lot of software out there and I have used, I want to say like four of them, four different ones. My favorite one is it's quick model. I was actually working on a job in quick model before we came on today. Quick model is a 3D manual J calculating software. Is it the only 3D? that incorporates manual J calculations directly that I know of, yes. The actual manual J engine is Energy Gauge, which is down here in Florida through the FSCC. So it has a module for the manual J calculations, but it allows you to literally draw the house and literally draw the ductwork and size the ductwork and all these things in 3D where you can actually see what the ductwork is running through, when it, more importantly, what it cannot go through. So if you have ever looked down at a set of plans and then walked into a house like, no way, I know I have. So I don't have that issue with quick model because when I hand out the sign to be executing, I was like, look, this wall is right here. This is not going to happen. This attic is this much tall or this much not tall, which is more important. So I honestly love it. I have been accused to work for quick model. I don't. <laughs> Matter of fact, my subscription was just up. I just re up with them. A paying customer. Great. Yes. Pay full price too. So it is my only drive to tell you about quick model or anything else is the fact that I truly like it and I truly believe in it. Yeah. And I'm going to put a plug in for that because I can. It's my show. I can do whatever I want. Sure. I think I see Russ King's book on your shelf. 
Yes, he sent it to me and he signed it. Yeah, that's the blue one with the white. Yeah. Yeah, he's wrote, he wrote something very. Yeah. Russell King and Connor King are the inventors, creators, maintainers of Quick Model. I'll put a link in the show notes. He's looking at Russ King's book, HVAC 1.0, which is really comprehensive, very interesting, and actually kind of funny at times. I was going to read the dedication that he wrote, but I, I, I pref- no, I prefer not to. It is too. Okay. I don't want, let's not make this about myself. Okay. That's how I opened it, but I read again. I, I was reminded of what he says. I was like, no, that's okay. Talking about that. Russ is one of these personal heroes of mine that I look up to. And Russ is not only insanely smart. I've been on the phone with Connor at one o'clock in the morning, stuck on a project. He's walked me through it and he's helped me get through things that I couldn't get through in the software, things like that. And granted, at this point, we'll probably pass all that because now I have a decent understanding of how things work in there. But when I needed it, they were there. So I would highly recommend it. Yep. You use any other tools, calculational tools? I like the C-Stack tool from the Energy Conservatory because Manuel J has this thing where it distributes the load, the infiltration load using what they call wall area ratio. Basically, what that means is they, let's say you have 200 CFM of infiltration to handle throughout the space. Let's say this space is a multi-story house, it's a two-story house. We know that through reverse stack, we're going to have to handle most on a house on a slab with a vented attic, we're going to have to handle most of that infiltration at the upper level because that's where it's coming from than we would on the lower level. But what Manuel J, the way Manuel J accounts for it, if I'm not mistaken, Ed Genoa is probably going to, can correct me on this if mm-hmm. I am, please do it. You're my hero too. And the way Manuel J accounts for it is they assign that load to each individual section of the house equally based on the wall area ratio that they have, based on the exposure that they have. And I really don't want to second guess or, or anything or question anything Manuel J says like that, but I can tell you that's not exactly the case as most of this load will have to be handled at the upper level, in this case, through the reverse stack. The name of that program was? C-Stack. C-Stack, okay. It's a simulator that they have. I use that to kind of visualize. If you need a blower door number, Temperature inside, temperature outside, and you need to plug in any ventilation you might have. The tricky part with C-Stack is that you can really predict when, so they don't really, there's not much they can do there. But outside of that, it provides me with a visual tool of just understanding the neutral pressure plane on a house. Where is it approximately? Where is it going to be? So I know how I have to approach it. The neutral pressure plane, by the way, is kind of like the dividing line between the upper section and the lower section of the house where the air is going to be coming in and the air is going to be exhausting out. The pressure in the house is going to be relieving. In the case of Climate Zone 1, where I'm at, it is we're going to be pulling in air at the top. We're going to be exhausting air down at the bottom because of reverse stack while the unit is running. Okay. So you've come a couple ways in your career to develop a company, to develop yourself, develop a company, to work with tools. What advice would you give a listener who wants to change their approach and to look more into, it sounds like a comfort. You do have an install, you do have service, you have the daily flow of business, but this comfort consulting that you do, that sounds like the fun area for you, as well as the challenging area keeps you fresh and frosty. You said, how many jobs have I walked away from? The fact that I haven't, it doesn't mean that I didn't want to, (laughs) but uh, what good would that be? If you're going to be put down by challenges, I actually thrive on challenges. When I'm challenged by something professionally, 
it is, I enjoy that thoroughly. I'm not going to lie. I'm, it stresses me out a little bit. I feel like you get all these natural feelings of why me? I'm so busy, things like that. But at the end of the day, when everything is said and done, inevitably you realize that I enjoyed every moment of it, especially the bad ones. A lot of gratification. Yeah. So what advice would I give? So let's say you've been doing this for 15 years, not even the 35 that everybody talks about. So let's say you've been doing this for 15 years. Ask yourself, did you learn anything from year 14 to year 15? If the answer is no, you don't have 15 years of experience. You have 14 plus one of practice. And ask yourself again, what happened in year 13 to 14? And walk your way back to the last time you let your ego get in the way of you learning something new. Because that's where you stop learning. If you have 15 years of experience and that happened at year five, you have five years of experience and 10 additional years of practice. That's the way I see it. That's the way I see it for myself. Imagine when you have 35 years, you've been doing this for 35 years and your only argument is how long you've been doing this. Yeah. Just the calendar. Yes, it is. That's a little sad. And it's also very unimpressive. Not that you're trying to impress somebody. No, right. But I know what you're saying. Yeah. You've been doing this for 35 years. I've been on this earth for almost 40 years, breathing air. That doesn't make me a, an expert breather. Everybody <laughs> breathes. That's a dumb analogy. But anyways, what I'm trying to say is that if you've been doing this for X amount of time, you better be learning all the time. You have better be have something to show for and something to show that you've learned from year one to year two, from year two to year three, and so on and so forth. Because whenever you stopped, that's where your knowledge really stopped. The fact that you've been practicing whatever limited knowledge you've had for 30 years after the initial five doesn't make you a 35 year better. It makes you a five year of experience better. So you almost have your own continuing education demand that you place on yourself. I do. I do. I keep a couple of good, a few good books standing by, as you can see, and I'm always up and at it, always up and at it. How do you reconnect with it? How do you allow yourself not to drift away from that? I think that might be the challenge when people find, like, they might do it for a while, but how do you get back into it? The nature of what I do, it's very challenging, and it's always setting me straight. I am wrong often. I don't say the things that I'm wrong about out loud to clients or to contractors or to builders necessarily. But I find that in my head that I assume something's a certain way and then I found out that it isn't. And that's a constant reminder that I don't really know what I'm doing. I only know what I know. I just need to keep learning what I don't. So you step back, you self-analyze the situation, like take that pause. Don't always get so immersed in things that you don't take a pause and step back at some point. Yes, it is. I get reminded often that I don't know at all. Yep. It's true for everybody, true for me. It's a human condition. So, very good. I did promise you I would let you get back to things after a little bit of discussion here, and I want to give the listeners back their ears. No problem. Any closing thoughts? HVAC, it's a very rewarding field. There's a lot of good money to be made, and there's a lot of good experience to be had. Don't limit yourself to what you haven't been taught. Question yourself what you don't know and get after it and learn it. Awesome. You do a lot of work correspondence on social media. Just give people a few of your favorites or where they might connect with you. Right. If you want to, I'm mainly on the HVAC Grapevine. We have a group there, really good group. We have very high-end discussions there. And I'm also often in the HVAC school group. It's always a pleasure to contribute to our fearless leader 
Ryan Orr. <laughs> but if you want to connect with me and or you have questions or you, you have a challenge of sorts, I welcome it. That's where you can find me. Cool. Jeremy Garcia, thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Thanks for listening in, and we hope you enjoyed this episode with Jenry. If you like what you heard today and haven't subscribed to the podcast, please consider doing so by typing Building HVC Science into the search bar in any of your typical podcast applications. I also host the ResTalk podcast, where you can learn more about home energy ratings and peripheral topics there. And we always like to plug our favorite resources out there, influencers, Zactus Jardins, Quality HVCR, HVAC Overtime, Chris Stevens at HVACR Videos, Jim Bergman at Measure Quick, Grayson Corbett Lunsford at HomeDiagnosis.tv, Brennan Billy, the Tool Pros, Tersh at Service Business Mastery, Zach Ciotta and HVAC Shop Talk, Stephen Reardon, HVAC Reefer Guy Mike Mayberry, and we couldn't leave out Brian Orr and Caleb Salibi at HVACR School. If you want to keep up with other interesting things or things that I find interesting, maybe you'll find them interesting too, who knows? Give it a try. Look at Building HVAC Science on the Facebook. The Facebook. (laughs) Here's a quote for today by Jimmy Dean. I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails to always reach my destination. The Building HVAC Science Podcast is a production of True Tech Tools Limited. If you're interested in coming on the show or sponsoring it, please email me at bill at truetechtools.com. Take care. And come back next time for the Building HVAC Science Podcast.